about to be a completely unreliable asshole. And good day to you, Tim. Welcome back to another episode of Are We Ever Going to Watch a Good Movie During This Quarantine? <laughs> You're, are you saying you didn't? Okay, well, I guess we'll get to it. I'm excited <laughs> to hear your detailed thoughts and misgivings on this week's film, Cannibal Girls, Tim. Yeah. Where um, are we? Who are we, Ryan? Well, Tim, I'm glad you asked. Because if you don't know, people listening, this is Dismembering Horror. It's the podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and... Myself, Tim Aslan. We dismember a horror film. Every week we talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything we found interesting or noteworthy. And I put the subtle emphasis on the we's and the us because these are just are very subjective opinions. We aim to be no final say. Tim and I are film fans and film makers, and we wanted to explore and catalog and digest all these horror movies that we want to see, that we've seen, but haven't seen for a long time, that we just want to talk about. Our favorite, the ones that you want us to talk about. And uh, yeah, we just want to break it down afterwards. Dismember it, ha ha ha, as we call it here. Mm-hmm. And yes, I, I said it briefly. We said it briefly. This week's film is from what year? 1973, from Canada. A Canuck exploitation, <laughs> Canuck exploitation film called Cannibal Girls. <laughs> I wonder. Uh, if, 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 so Tim and I, we both remembered adding it to our hat. So we both wanted we to know. see it. Um, I mean, just well, with a, a title like this, how could we not? Yeah, after we watched, um, oh shit, what was it? What was that called? Shiver, shivers, shivers. There was we had found that there was this Ivan Reitman Cronenberg connection, and that's how I learned that Cannibal Girls existed, and so. My assumption is that you had already put it in, and I went to put it in and realized it was already there. <laughs> yeah. And that's why we both think we both put it in. Mm-hmm. But that I think right. that that makes more sense that I was like, oh, shit, we need to put this in, and then it already was. Either way, it just tickles me and gives me glee that uh, <laughs> the reaction was... When the, we see a movie called Cannibal Girls, we go, oh, shit, we got to put that in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, hey, we'll get into it, but at least it lived up to the title, you know, <laughs> baseline. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I come from. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, to really get into it, if unless there's something else you had, Tim, we start with the trailer. Nope. Let's do uh, it. All right. So here it is, the trailer for... Cannibal Girls. Once upon a time, there was a little country town where folks had a very strange diet. Strangers who stopped for lunch ended up staying for dinner. What did I just have? Yes! This just came in this morning. Is it really fresh? Mrs. Wilson, if it was any fresher, it would get up and tell you itself. American International Pictures presents... Cannibal Girls. When the morning wakens, they're young, beautiful, 
and very, very sexy. They love every man they meet. First to death, then for dinner. What will you have for dinner, my lovelies? What will you have? Hmm? That voice, gotta love it. Cannibal girl. I can't do yeah. it. Can you do it? Wow. No. <laughs> can't even try. Cannibal. No. Cannibal girls. Cannibal. Um, yes. If you didn't hear it, cannibal girls. Cannibal girls. Cannibal girls. That girls is like one of the cannibals. most absurd trailers I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, just, what are it, we doing? It feels like I can't imagine what else it would be. I mean, it seems they perfect. They spoil the end of the movie in that trailer. <laughs> right. Even all that more fitting. They didn't care back then. They didn't like, give a fuck. No, it's an exploitation movie. Get them in the theaters. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. So we're in episode 91, Tim, talking about mm. Cannibal Girls. I want to know, per our rating system, would you tell yourself, Tim Aslan, to avoid it, stream it, rent it? Or by Cannibal Girls. Oh my God, I'm just, I'm just. I feel like I'm so vanilla. I'm just streaming everything. I mean, that's it's it's like stream it. It's like it's. I think it's. It, I think it makes sense as if it would be our most given uh, review, you know, or rating. Yeah. I feel I feel kind of depressed by that. Why? Because I want to see stuff that's better than just okay. Right, but I think as <laughs> I think having done almost 100 now of these, Tim, we have a good sense for kind of what our odds, our batting averages are here. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm updating it right now since, since we both are streams. Oh, our, our count total? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even say, but... I'm not going to reveal it. I think we should reveal that at episode 100. Okay, cool. But so no, yeah. Have, you know, you could be literal 100%, you know, percentages. No Tim, math. I, Tim, I didn't even say I'm a stream it yet, but you said oh, I did. I thought that that's what you meant. Um, no, I did. I'm just I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I'm just this I'm, I'm, I'm just calling it out like how you uh y- you know things. I thought you, you know. said you just stream it, and so that made me think you were saying you're a stream it. Well, I am a stream it. Hey, now. Um, Look at that. It's like I, I read your mind because you said a thing that made me think you said a thing. But no, but you know, we, we, I don't know. I don't know if it's a flaw of a rating system, but a quirk and individuality, an individual aspect of it is I would like to specify within the stream it's and avoid it's and rents it's and buys yeah. it's what kind that is. So for me, this is a. It's not on the lower end, stream it. It's not like it's a, ugh, I guess stream it. It's right. a, it's a, um, you know, I was happy to fill in my this little, this little gap rather than a, I was fine avoiding it. Um, it didn't totally, it, it was pretty far from living up to like what I, would hope you know it could be my wildest expectations like when you see oh well especially you would just when you see the title and see that it stars eugene i've always said uh levy but uh ivan reitman said levy in an interview oh. i watched 
So Eugene Levy, I was excited, you know, hmm. to see he's in it. And of course he has his moments. Um, yeah, I don't know. So like, and it did deliver on the premise. I got the cannibal girls, you know, yeah. in, in essence, but yeah, no, yeah. as a, as a movie, it was just kind of like, eh. it's pretty whatever as a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like it meanders and just, it's sort of like, there's no real, like who I just don't care. I was like, I don't care. Yeah, well, and for a lot of reasons, but I think that were kind of kind of interesting. Like, it is kind of unique beast in how it was assembled and all that. I agree with that for sure. That was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And what that that is, we will get into yeah. later on, but next is our summary. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which will illuminate some aspects. Okay. We're talking um, about. We're in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Need you no more. Need you no more. Need I say more. We're in cold, snowy Canada. Cold, snowy Canada, and we're in a town called something. Fairview? Fairvale. Fair... Fair... Farnhamville. (laughs) Shit, I was way off. (laughs) Farnhamville. Farnhamville. I knew a guy named Jason Farnham. Anyway, so... (laughs) This is way more interesting than the movie's story. So, okay, so here we go. We're in Farnhamville, which is a small <laughs> town in, in Ontario. <laughs> and Farnhamville has a lore about a farmhouse in kind of in the woods where three beautiful young women live and they entice and or seduce people, usually men, into their home and then they kill and dismember them and and eat them. So that's right. Farnhamville's are... folklore. Well, uh, yeah, that's the folklore. How, how it plays out in the film itself, we do get like a cold open. That's just like a classic slasher open yeah. opening of um, women getting killed and then we, and then that context though of the story that you just described, like what's going on, we are given that as if it is just a local legend story. Like our right. main, our main heroes, our couple, our characters, um, Cliff and Gloria. Cliff, <laughs> Cliff is Eugene Levy, uh, Andrea Martin as Gloria. They get told the story Tim just told by, was it the uh, motel, uh, you know, concierge? Yeah, exactly. It's the woman who runs the motel. Yeah. And, you know, and then (laughs) we flash back, like we watch that folklore story in real time. As it like as a I guess sort of a flash. It's not a. It's sort of presented like a flashback, but it's just like here she's gonna tell the story and we're gonna watch the story. And it's not just like a oh there's these three women who lived here and they used to do this and that's it. It's not like this montage thing. It's this full on like we start out with these guys who they lure in like in town doing their thing. It's yeah. like this whole little. It, it, I like guess you yes. forget. Halfway through, you forget that you're in a in a side story. Oh, I did. I literally did. And when then we it, came... it finishes, and they flash back to Claire or what's it, uh, Gloria and Clifford standing there, being like, "Oh wow, that's really interesting." You're like, "Oh shit, wait, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, okay, cool." We're <laughs> that was a story. All right, 
And then, of course, Clifford and Gloria end up going to the the folklore house because now it's a restaurant. Yeah. And they become the victims of the craziness that's there. But twist, that's all a dream. But twist, it wasn't a dream. They then, end up there again. <laughs> yeah. Or it was it or wasn't it a dream? Or do they just end up there again? Like, like well, the stuff about Cl- it is true. Cliff, yeah. Cliff said Cliff. So my here's my takeaway. My takeaway was or my impression was Cliff and Gloria go. They hear the story. They go back to their room. Gloria passes out. We see them go to the restaurant, which is this house in the woods. They meet the reverend who's running the restaurant and the three cannibal girls. The, the, they find out that they're going to be killed and eaten. Gloria runs away and then wakes up from what she thinks was just a dream. A really real a, dream. She falls asleep in that when she's uh, given a pill by a doctor that she is hoped she's being rescued by. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So when she wakes up, she goes, holy shit, that was so real. I guess it was all just a dream. And then Cliff says, well, I'm hungry. Let's go eat, essentially. Well, there's a whole cop thing, but don't worry about that. So they end up back at the restaurant in the middle of the woods and then the reverend is there again and the cannibal girls are there again and cliff says something to the effect of like i you know i did what you asked me to i brought her back which implies that the reverend has this sort of hypnosis power over him and then double twist the Reverend turns that power onto Gloria and Gloria kills Cliff. And then Gloria becomes a cannibal girl and they all eat Cliff. Right. Which fits in just another part of the summary is we learn that I don't know if it's a literal spell or what, but whether it's a literal spell or not, not only do they get put under the spell of his cannibalistic methods, but in ways, but the whole town is right. too like the butcher shop is in on it the everyone's yeah. everyone's in on it everybody is sort of funneling people to that house to and that, get yeah. chopped up and yeah. then redistributed into the town <laughs> yeah it's kind of uh, it's a fun play on like the idea of you know the town that's famous for a whatever local legend or story or whatever it is and like think oh yeah that's just some little part of our history whatever you know but we are we are ourselves outside of that. No, they are just that. Yeah. And they're <laughs> you know maintaining I mean? it. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. I was going to start saying what I think works about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a section dedicated to that, Tim. So what? do you want to just go ahead and, and do that? Sure. All right. Here it is. Now we get to hear what worked about all that for Tim and me. In our first section, what worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. What worked? What worked for you? 
Well, Tim, what were you going to say worked for you? The overall sort of like thematic y sort of stuff, like the town and the like, you know, everybody's in on it and they they all have a thirst for this, you know, meat and all of that. Like that, I, I think is cool. It's always just a cool concept, right? It's like the outsiders. We, it's the same thing with 10,000 or 10,000 maniacs, the band. No, 2,000 <laughs> maniacs. You know, you've got the outsiders coming into this insular world that is out to get them. And I, I like that. It's always cool. And then so these this element of like the town is in on it and they're perpetuating the lore as a dodge to the reality of that lore. That like weird, you know, insidious sort of manipulation is cool. I just think in general as a thing, it's cool. And you have like a spectrum of people who are doing it well and doing it bad, right? Or badly. Well, like what do you the mean? Mechanics, the mechanics are just – they're just blunt objects about it. They're just chasing dudes and fucking killing them mm-hmm. or like capturing them and then sending them off to the cannibal girls to be – you know, butchered and and redistributed, I guess. Why wouldn't they just take them to the the butcher in the first place? I don't know, but whatever. But then you have (laughs) the motel lady who's doing a whole fucking thing. She's like, let me tell you the story. Let me get you all like enticed. But just, it's just a story. You should totally go to that restaurant. It's really delicious. It's like, it's, that's really fucking like, and then you have like the cop who's kind of in the middle of it where he's like, Fuck everybody, but also, all right, like, let me get them to the restaurant. He's got to keep the peace for how things yeah, are. But keep he's the status in on it, quo. too. Yeah, yeah. So, there, I, like, the, the setup of all of that and the setup of the sort of the backstory and how we watched that, although I think a bit clunky, was still fun. Yeah, the details were there that were fun. Like, my favorite one, I mean, it was cool having, like, remind me exactly 2000 Maniacs. Of the uh, not being able to make a phone call from the payphone to the outside oh, yeah. of the town. Oh yeah, I love that shit. Right but around that sequence was, I think, my fa- one of my favorite little just touches moments in the movie, where um, we see a super quick flash of like someone in the barber shop getting um, getting a shave, but instead like the razor goes up to their ear and cuts it off, and just yeah. super quick. But yeah, it's just and it like, was like, oh, this is going, going on. on. Yeah, yeah. Or it's like it's this going, is going on all over town because that yeah. person probably was an out of towner who stopped in to get a shave on their way to some, you know, business meeting like the other dudes. I love the guy who <laughs> in the flashback or the tale is a dairy farmer. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> well, no, no, no. He's we learn later. He's an aspire. He's like a. Uh, he says he's in like in the dairy business to sound impressive. We learned later he was actually just an ice cream man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like <laughs> everybody, th- there's two things going on. There's, this is actually pretty cool, right? There's the outsiders trying to present themselves as something they aren't so that they can get laid. And then there's the townspeople presenting themselves as something they aren't so that they can get fed 
so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's cool. You kind of you mentioned. Oh well, what was the point of uh? Why did they have the, the 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 people meet? Why did the bodies have to go to the cannibal girls? Uh, first, well, Tim, it's because part of the the whole town's in on it. There, there's an aspect of vampire occult vampirism sure. to it, where the girls and the and their their esteemed uh, the reverend leader, the, yeah, the reverend Alex Saint John. Um, <laughs> so they, yeah, the town is not just in on turning eating people, but keeping. Uh, the immortality of these, oh, these young women I going. I totally forgot about that. That's right. There's this whole, that that immortality thing that it keeps you young, yeah. Yeah, so I really enjoyed those aspects too as far as just like the details of, it was, go, okay, well, to pun intended, flesh it out a hey. bit more. <laughs> <laughs> um, you said, Good okay, point. well, are they just like, you know, is it just they just have an appetite for human flesh? Like, what's what what kind of cannibalism are we talking about here? It's occult uh, aspects to it, and I thought I loved all that stuff in in there of like whether at the end when they come out in their robes or in toward the middle when they are all naked and sing like that that weird hymn that they yeah. have um within me without me i oh yeah say that prayer within me without me i drink this blood which gives me life there and it's like this um cross dissolving montage of close-ups of eyes and their breasts yeah. and the blood and all that all that is great anyway how is shot aside a little aside of how it was shot um and then yeah the fact that it's like the reverend you know is right is a part of it any those occult aspects were yeah had a lot of fun with it. I'm trying to think yeah. if there's any other ones, I'm sure. But. Yeah, I mean, I guess for for me, that's kind of the overarching aspect of what's working. It's like these ideas are all working and like they're fun and there's campiness to it. I'll, I will say the, the undertones of humor are great because they're never actually like pushing on the joke. But there, there are jokes in it. Like Eugene Levy is funny. Dude, he had some moments that I like cracked up at. Exactly. Like some one-liners, some quips. Yeah, which his quippiness was, was really great. I want to. I guess it's relevant. I was kind of thinking it was a thing of note, but it's relevant for now. The idea, like when I read this, is. Um, Oh, it's not. It's a horror comedy. It's directed by Ivan Reitman. You know, but I don't think it's. It's not a comedy. It is like a straight up exploitation horror film that just happens to have like f like a character who's funny exactly. or like kind of like, you know, dark comedy moments or whatever yeah. that, uh, you know, but but those, do you remember? So like I thought it was so funny where after um, Gloria, uh, how she says um, whether their car isn't working at the beginning and she goes, well, maybe if we just, you know, speak nice to the car, say nice things to it, it'll get working. And Eugene Levy kind of like rolls his eyes and goes along with it. Come on, we believe in you. Da, da, da. And then the car is working. Then <laughs> right after they get it working from that, Eugene Levy goes, you should have been a mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's it's very dry. I forget what the other, what the context was, but the other one I wrote down that cracked me up was when he said, I think, yeah. Oh, no, I think it was when she woke up after, you know, having maybe dreamt all this thing. He goes, I think you had too much pizza for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, 
I, well, I mean, there's a reason that I think is more of a thing of note that it has that that script structure to it. Yeah. Well, it's. Um, well, no, I mean, it's yeah, it is a character, th- right? Like we're seeing a- actual character here. It's a thing of note, but I think it is. Well, more, you know, I'm going to contextualize it now as something that did and did not work for me. And the it I am talking about is that this movie was entirely improvised dialogue wise by the actor, you know, however that collaboration worked out. Um, my imp- honestly, that my impression was that they they essentially improved and workshopped together until they felt like they had a basic script. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, then how they much... shot that and and probably right. had freedom and leeway within shooting to, it. you know, wasn't super strict, you know, you have to say this line here, but they had already worked it into a thing. And because um, we're in what worked, though, there were moments in that were like, because that because they did it that way or maybe we're improvising um, on set too. There are this, those uh, overlapping dialogue moments that I'm just a sucker for yeah. that just, I, I just like that kind of style. Um, and then, you know, the, like we already said, those moments for Eugene Levy, bring able to bring what he does to it. Definitely. And uh, <laughs> I wonder if, uh, if uh, it was improvised too, as far as the, what wardrobes they <laughs> showed up with. Cause Tim, man, <laughs> what worked for me, I loved Cliff's knitted tie. Do you remember that? Yes. He had like a multicolored, like, like like wide knitted tie. Oh, oh, you know, he's also wearing it on like a brown pattern shirt too. So it's just like <laughs> two things that do not look good together. They're just like clashing really hard. It's like holy shit. And then on top and, of uh, that, of course. Oh, I was gonna say her shirt. Oh, I was I gonna say too. his his fur coat. Yeah, his coat, his <laughs> facial hair. Oh, um, I love one of my favorite moments in this entire movie. <laughs> There's a couple. Of, I love Gloria. Like, she's funny. She's so subtly funny. Andrea Martin. Yeah. yeah. And she went on, like, both of them went on to be comics. You know, like, they're great. But she has she has a number of little subtle moments that are awesome, awesome, subtle character, like, nod moments, right? One of them is... <laughs> When they're at the table, the dinner table, and the reverend has, he's already grabbed her ass once. And she kind of like, you know, jolts and looks over her shoulder and and she kind of goes, Cliff, you know, and he's oblivious. And then they're at the table and <laughs> the reverend like reaches over her and starts rubbing her shoulders. And she starts like her facial expression of like getting kind of like uh, stiff and looking at Cliff and like wide eyed being like Cliff. Cliff, Cliff, <laughs> like, yeah. notice this. It's a little creepy. Her performance in those moments is so good. But my favorite moment is when they're in bed in the in the restaurant house, the farmhouse or whatever. And Cliff has his fucking sunglasses on still. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and he's like trying to canoodle with her. And she's. You know, she's sort of like, wah, 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 and she gives in and she's like, there's this pause and she looks at him. And she's like, can you take off your glasses? And her delivery is just, she's super dry. She's just really, I don't know. There's something really funny to me about that demeanor of humor. 
Yeah. And I was like, well, of it's, course, it's so smart, too. Like, they, someone, either by mistake or just to be funny, I mean, I'm assuming Eugene showed up and just left the sunglasses on because he thought that was funny. But because they did worked this from an improv standpoint, they kept this moment in because in an improv, I'd imagine Eugene was like, I'm going to be funny and go to bed with my sunglasses on. And she called him out on it. And then that makes it into the script. And like, it's that's just good shit. It's just funny and like natural and like weird. People act like that. Like, I, I love a good, you know, just jokiness when you're when you're with your significant other you know just be a goof i love all that stuff well i guess this is uh kind of in the same vein as far as um you know observing the couple together and having fun with them i think outside of anything having to do with the cannibalism honestly this may have been the best scene in the movie it's the equivalent of like the couple scene in poltergeist that's the best scene in the movie of them smoking on the bed sure Eugene Levy playing the guitar for her. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Do you know I was going to say that to him? It's just like talking about where improvisation brings so much to it with him putting his cigarette on the dangling guitar string. Amazing. Like, yeah, right? And just him, I mean, and and just the song itself and the fact that she wanted him to sing it and her reaction to it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what, man. It was just like, yes, I'm enjoying watching these people do this um it was just clicked in kind of a way that's hard to hard to define well i would define it as the times i've seen that type of stuff is there's two sort of scenarios i've seen it in a really well rehearsed play where they've done it so many times that they're just sort of free to play around and you you are actually striving to find new moments within the play around and ma- while maintaining the context of the actual play. But like I've seen it happen in, in that scenario. And I've also seen it happen in really, really good improv when like apt- actual improv shows when two people are given a subject, but they they themselves know each other so well that they're just really tuned in and they're able to play off of each other perfectly. And it's very rare because I hate to say it, but most improv shows I've ever been to are not good. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting line between when, when something adds versus detracts. Yeah. But this was just right in that lane, right? It's like very, very subtle, uh, push pulls and like reversals within that scene right like very subtle like even in like he's kind of trying to just go for it right at the top he's trying to like kind of mount her and she gets her legs like tangled under him where he has to actually stop what he's doing to like get her leg untangled so he can continue on and then she lets him in a little bit but then like you know they're playing this like weaving game where she like lets him in and then weaves away from him and he tries to chase her and then she does a diversion and like it's really really fucking well like woven together and it ends of course with her going like passing out passing out in quotations because she definitely is not actually passed out yeah. You know, he, he like says, oh, he's like, Gloria. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, fuck. What are we doing? <laughs> right. Um, so some of the, the, 
the cannibalism aspects, though. I think we should get into sure. some of the more, the more horror aspects. One of my favorite little details as far as, um, uh, you know, seeing cannibalism presented different ways. And this is also to kind of come off of, I wanted to say earlier when we were talking about this being a comedy or not a comedy, I think what it comes down for me, what it is, is like they are having, they just think this stuff is fun. And that's yeah. what we're, you can tell the filmmakers like from the opening scene, like it's not trying to be a winky comedy, no, but no. you can tell they, they are into these, you know, movies. They can get behind exploitation. Yeah. Um, and so, but, but then you see where they're, they're, they're sensibilities that, you know, led to them being comedians working comedy come in later. Um, with just the, some of the touches, like I'd never seen in a cannibalism thing before where the meat that's being served, the human meat, like, yeah, they're still like tearing at it, like animals and everything. It's still like uncooked and bloody and the sounds are there and everything, but they're fully sitting at a dinner table and it's part of a meal. It's like they have their side <laughs> salad right. yeah. like on top of the meal. They'll like, you know, pass the asparagus yep. kind of thing. That just, I, that cracked me up in kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's still being an exploitation way, but just, I love that. I gotta say, this is the second time this has happened, but it, it, it very much feels like Midsummer. <laughs> yeah and it summers every movie now too. it again makes me feel like aviared you know it's just he's a fan of of wait what did you say isn't that his name oh no ari aster is the <laughs> avi Arad? yeah i don't know who that is what's ari aster's uh, evil twin yeah ari aster that's right right ari aster now <laughs> yes who the fuck am i talking I just... about <laughs> i don't know um <laughs> he i think it makes me gives me the impression that he's just one of these guys who's you know he's watched everything and it's just sort of in there it's like in it's in him because he's consumed so much i always say that this that may or may uh, not be true right i always like last time i'll say no this is just kind of generic enough like you know i don't know i think that yeah maybe maybe it's just sort of a universal thing that you get to wait what I actually don't get what you mean by like it's well, like in midsummer. When are they eating people at a dinner table? In midsummer? Yeah. When she's been crowned and she's sitting at the end of the table and the on the table is it's in her hallucination, like the the like turkey or whatever the fuck's on the table, the long table. Like half the time it literally looks like a human torso. Oh, right? right there's that whole right. ceremonial aspect of like we're eating the whatever but then also I mean, just the yeah. aspect of the gloria character she feels similar like her trajectory is similar in a way to um francis right. Pugh's in that like she sort of has this turn where florence it's like, dude whatever <laughs> what did i say <laughs> you just said did you just say francis francis yeah <laughs> It's Fl- Fl- Florence. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, <laughs> those people. Yeah. Uh, I like, just I just like what your brain comes up with I- instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not looking at it, I'm just going to make it up. So the the trajectory that Gloria kind of has is is similar in that like she gets kind of uh hip- hypnotized into this world 
and brought right. into it, and she becomes kind of the new the new one. I just think like you have these ideas of you have cannibalism, ceremony, woman involved. Like the well, you know, no, because they, there's this whole subtext of sexual, you know. Eugene, what's Eugene's character's name? So Cliff, the whole time, he's he's kind of a dick. Yeah. And he's kind of just like, I'm just trying to kind of get laid. But then when she's like, do you really care about me? He's like, of course I do. It's it's the same kind of construct of like <laughs> You're right. the, okay, shitty, the shitty boyfriend who's just kind of going along to like get what he wants. And yeah, he ends yeah. up ultimately dying at the hand of her because he's a dick. It's right. It's these very sort of standard universal tropes, I guess. But like, I think. I don't know. I think that we've moved away from that one. Up until Midsummer came back around and kind of was like bring, brings bringing it back. So whether or not it's actually directly influenced or it's just sort of in the zeitgeist, it it's there. It's a it's a story trope, and I think for yeah. me. I really like it because it's pointing at a thing that is true and a thing that I that bothers the fuck out of me in real life. Like right. dudes thinking they're cool dudes being able to say and do whatever they want just to get laid, man. Like fuck all of that. It's just it's so gross. So anytime yeah. I see it kind of the comeuppance of that, I'm like, yeah. And Tim, he gets his comeuppance. And I see what you mean now, too, as far as some of the similarities, because it is so much fun. Also, I thought of this earlier when you were just talking about enjoying Andrea Martin's um, presence as Gloria and what she brings to it. The ending, it was so great of like you have him betraying her and then her and then them, her and the uh, <laughs> the cannibal girls and their uh, reverend kind of twisting it then right. on him being like, hey, actually, no, now because you betrayed her, she's going to defend herself and now she's the one who's going to kill you. And just her kind of being, you know, victimized in that way, then getting to enact the revenge and that's the note that we end on was fun. And that is yeah. just Midsommar again, you're right. Yeah, and there's this sort of permission moment that I think is really compelling when she's when uh, the reverend nods at her to go ahead and take the bite from him. Yeah. Yeah, there's just something I don't know, there's something sort of satisfying, I guess, about that. Yeah. Which all you know, obviously again exists in midsummer as well. And it was actually cool. I mean, you know, you, you I guess that's what we're doing here. Give him credit where credit is due. That was a, was a good moment to not just have her already being digging in. Oh, look at her. She's one of them now. This does a lot just to show that nod of, yes, you can be one of us now or you can go ahead and eat it. I don't know. Whatever that did. Yeah. And the fact that it's hard to say exactly what it did is why it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't have a whole lot else. <laughs> I mean, I just got to give a shout out to Bunker. I was thinking that's probably the only other thing I. <laughs> so Did I mean, it just, work? Uh, yeah, I guess it worked. This, <laughs> that's just so, so weird. This, yeah, I, I mean, I love this whole household. We got yeah, yeah, the yeah. three, the three beautiful, as the trailer said, you know, three beautiful, sexy, young cannibal girls. Um, and it's just like, 
so stupid, but I like love it too, where it's like, of course, the variety within it. It's not, you know, of course they're going to be all white. It's Canadians too. So the real variety, how you get the mix of them is you have a blonde, a brunette and a redhead. So it's like really, you know, um, diverse. (laughs) Um, it is then, it, it is a, it is the joke like they know that that's the joke and i yeah, think that's it, what makes it funny and fun is that, that it's yeah. like it's it's satire really you know i mean it's dark dark satire they're just doing it um and then yeah so you got the cannibal girls then the reverend we've already talked about but he has like the top hat is kind of like magician kind of in how he styles himself i i think He's, you're right i th- <laughs> I'm pretty sure they got to pick their own costumes. <laughs> like um Demon Wind. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Developed by the characters. way. I guess this is a thing of note. Never mind, I'll tell you later. And then to round out their ha- household, I mentioned the name earlier, what started all this. There's Bunker, <laughs> who is the the Igor right. equivalent, who's this this is like their monster. Did they they like did stuff to his face and yeah, they he's, muddied he's, him he's, up. Yeah, muddy and bloodied this, him up, kinda. kind of. This weird little like blueby deformed guy. Yeah, he's kind of a hunchback. You know, he's just a what? He's just kind of. He, I don't even know how to describe him. He's just sort of. He a just kind creep. of. He grunts around. He gummos. Yeah, up, you know, he goes around. Um, but he's always there in the sidelines. He's listed as him. He's plays played by himself. That was the big thing of note I had. I mean, I could actually I had that under what worked was that definitely that's works because it's just so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it cracked me up at the end at the after it like shows us their faces and gives her the names and bunker as himself. Yeah. <laughs> yep, it's funny. It's just so dumb, but they know it. I think that's what makes it okay. Is like it feels like they're really just playing around. Yeah. And dumb isn't. Would you call it? Bad. It's irreverent. Is that sort of the the term you would use? Um, I wouldn't say that's the word, but I'd say it is a way to describe it. I mean, I mean, we're just kind of. It's kind of just getting at what are ways to ex, to explain like kind of exploitation and the different approaches to making something that's exploitation. Yeah, yeah. Which to contextualize, I thought that was funny. You had we had asked um couple episodes before when we did a 2000 maniacs it might have been afterwards you were like have we done an exploitation movie before and i said i'd call shivers one Mm -hmm. but hey now we can say we've done cannibal girls (laughs) forevermore (laughs) all right let's keep it going then let's do what did not work okay it's not ready yet seems to work okay no something important's missing so like while there was cool aspects to it being improvisatory loosey-goosey all that stuff there it also made it feel like it was too sectional there was Oh, think things felt like they were padded, which they they did shoot stuff after the fact. It didn't feel like a whole thing like like there's the fact, no. Yeah, there's no actual cohesive story. Yeah. And the, the fact like that when we were with of sto- stories, I guess, is when them we showing up and dying. 
Yeah, when we were, exactly, that's all that happens. Because when we were, um, as we said earlier, when we were in that flashback scene being told the story of the tale, literally forgetting that it was a flashback is was not a good thing in this case. No, and then also being told that maybe it's all a dream. I yeah. was like, oh God. It just made it feel like, okay, it's so. It's cheapened it. Yeah, talking about, that's why I said padding. It just, the whole thing felt like just how are we expanding this to a feature well it's kind of interesting because like it feels like it's structurally almost kind of like a a three storied um anthology film yeah and you just i just kind of like wanted there could have been a way to really embrace that and make us feel okay these are intentional segments or just not do this approach that they're doing and make it more like no it is just a more traditional cohesive following this couple story you know, I my sort of, I guess, if if I were to make this movie, I would I would lean more in on the sort of Twilight Zone aspect of the singular mental div, uh, 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 what's the word devolution? Devol- <laughs> what, what am I trying to say? Watching Gloria mentally devolve into insanity because of everything that's going on around her that like I could get if that is the consistent through line that we're tracking all of this meandering and like it's a dream it's not a dream it's a story it's not a story all of that would actually coalesce into something and and the ending I think would be more impactful because you would get to this point where it's like she's she's just sort of ping ponged around in her what you know you don't know if it's in her head if it's not in her head or whatever and she gets to this point of like now it's time to make a decision yeah and 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 you know I think part of why I say that is what I would want to see is again it's similar to how Midsummer kind of operates right. Yeah. It works. It's such a good construct or a pleasing construct for me to watch somebody just fall apart and not know what's real or not and then take sort of that power back in the end and like make a choice. I feel like this is emerging as maybe a big um a big takeaway or lesson from watching all these horror films Tim because this is really similar to what you were saying last week about um the mimic when things, when you have um, uh, things that are confusing that are that work because they're confusing or don't work because they're confusing, what that difference is? That was like a big a big thread we went down, and it, and we've talked about it before, but it basically always comes down to sometimes you need that subjectivity to take us through right. the horror story, and yeah, it's right. interesting. Yeah, that's that's I think that's on point. You just said for this one, like okay. Given given more time, maybe we would have realized that, as you just put it, is the thread in the movie, her perspective, Gloria's experience, and then give us that subjective perspective enough. It does not it doesn't mean like it has to all be from her perspective, but just like no, as but far you, as those you, aspects. Yeah. As you carry on, if you start to see the onion being peeled back and we realize that that's where we're heading, that we're sort of getting cl- closer and closer to her state of mind – yeah. And how, you know, how good or bad it is. <laughs> right. That's which, exciting. Which That's then... It. That gets us... Like, we're moving. There's actual, like, subtextual movement. 
and we had the ending set up for it. Like that that, is great. <laughs> yeah. It's just imagine if we had been led there accordingly with what you had just said. Well, it supports the ending. Ultimately, if we realize that we we've if we've gone on this journey with her and seen her sort of struggle within her own mind and like her internal and external struggles coalesce into this moment of decision making, it's it, it it's just foundational to the decision, mm-hmm. right? Like we go, we get more understanding and more catharsis out of seeing her make a decision, mm-hmm. you know, but without it, it's like, okay, it's just all sort of sitting on the surface. And it's, I just think it's less compelling. Yeah. It's not bad. It's just, it could be so much deeper. No, but I mean, it just makes it so like, yeah, the effect for me when watching something without that kind of like hang your hat on major thread is there's like when I, I was watching back and I was watching the film back and, you know, trying to remember it because like, yeah, yeah. The effect of not having that thread is like when you have those moments where the reverend is saying to Cliff, oh, no matter what you do, you know, run out of here as fast as you can escape. Do not look behind you. Do not look behind you. And I'm kind of was like, I forget how that paid off. Like I just, you you miss these kind of like little smaller scene to scene handoffs or threads when there isn't, when, when there aren't the overriding ones. Yeah. 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 Because you don't have any, you don't have any sort of, uh, like home base to sort of come back to where you like con it's just context where you go, Oh, that's where we're talking about. Which, like what, like what we're getting at here. Is it interesting because you can have like, you, you can and do have films where the thread is that there is no thread. You can have like, you know, on the far side of experimental films or whatever, totally, you know, where like that is the thread in itself. Um, Oh, yeah, just interesting for how every kind of like, uh, I don't want to say like exception to the rule, but just how it all comes back to knowing the context of what you're doing. And that's the, the your perspective on it. Yeah, Right. I think, I mean, my feeling is in general, this is pretty general, but like, I don't know if I would call it a rule so much as just like a feeling at the bare minimum, we we want a reason to f- connect to either the person that we're following along or a person we're following along or a feeling that we're following along. And so, like, you can get super abstract when, when what we're connecting to is a feeling, right? But the feeling has to be purposeful, mm-hmm. right? And, and it can be... It can be vague, but it can be purposefully vague. Right. And that that in and of itself is a feeling that we can connect to. So, like, there's a whole spectrum of, of narrative or lack thereof or just story elements or whatever. Like, you can do all sorts of different shit. But knowing kind of what track you're on, regardless of if it's specified or well not specified but if it's specific or arbitrary just knowing which one it is is a track 
But like we've experienced this a lot where we've watched a movie where we're like, they don't even know what fucking track they're on. Yeah. And that that's when shit starts to really fall apart in a bad way. Yep. And so I think that to me, like through all of the, you know, what we've been watching, like that's the thing that keeps coming back where we're like, we need that. We need the filmmaker to give us some guidance. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and you see that. What did you you started off uh, this episode with being like, and then like these these recent films that you've been doing. Yeah. Cannibal Girls uh, suffered from this. The Mimic did. And then before that, we had Lyle and then Cherry Falls. Yeah, and even before that was what, 2000 Maniacs? Yes. And as much as we, we did enjoy 2000 Maniacs, for sure, it 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 suffers a little bit. Uh, yeah, but I don't know, just as far I mean, as... you know what suffers is the one before that, which is the circle. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but, but 2000 Maniacs, it has, it, it has the through line of... A, a That's perspective, right. you know, there is that emotional yeah. through line. Yeah. Like through it the knows whole thing. what it is for sure. Well, and it it, it has some kind of thread that I'm, yeah. I don't know. It, yeah. yeah, no, you're right. I would say so. Of you know, one out of the last six is not great. <laughs> right. Um. <laughs> wait, wait. One out of the last six is not great. I'm saying, well, it's not a good uh, ratio. Oh, oh. That's what's not great. That only one out of six films was even worthwhile. You know what I thought could be fun, Tim, for episode 100? Is we each come up with a question for the other person about, like, ref, you know, something that is is looking back on the films or whatever. What's the most this? Why do you think, you know, mm. come to it as a surprise for one another? I thought that okay. could be fun. Anyway, while well, I remembered. Um, Here's mine. What did the demon wind really smell like to you? <laughs> kind of like, you know, somewhere between uh, rotting eggs and <laughs> nog champa. Wow. <laughs> and and ghosts. Mm. Zombie ghosts. Okay, but Tim, you know, we're on the cannibal girls here. Do you yeah. have anything else that did not work for you that was specific? Or not specific. What else didn't work for you? Not that you yeah, have I mean, to think kind of another of, one. Yeah, we kind of said it. It's like there's this this sort of general disjointedness. It's like the mechanic stuff. I'm like, who cares? Yeah. It doesn't like I I I'm like, eh. There, yeah. there's such a there's such a fine line between like campy characterization and that that is fun and and dumb and like in this actually you get both because you know gloria and cliff are are actually really right on like i'm like i'm into their campy characterization they feel like people but they're they're weird and they're character yeah the mechanics it's like dude (laughs) who who smeared grease on the guy's face like that's not a thing you know what i mean like there's one mechanic and it's just like somebody just walked up and was like here here you need you're a mechanic you need some grease on your face and there's like three <laughs> finger smear it's like dude that's just that's just hacky shit i just i hate stuff like that i i know because i feel like that's something that um you would definitely notice or care about <laughs> like yeah i mean there's like continuity thing that pissed me off like the guy who has a cigar of one in the flashback 
folklore tale like his cigar is just it's like have you, have you at seen one point the it's two inches long and then there's, it's five inches long it's just like it's cannibal girls from 1973 i know but it's 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 one of these movies that's like it's self-made everybody's everybody's doing their part cigar guy that's his prop he knows fucking just keep your cigar the same length that's on him it's not the filmmaker <laughs> Normally, I'd be like, come on, guys, like you're making a movie. Do it right. I'm saying that actor just didn't give a fuck. Well, none of that. That that doesn't work for me. None of that detracted. I'll put it again as far as the overall thing that didn't work since he didn't use the word before. It's just the plotting of the film. Yeah. Uh, It made it feel like kind of more of a slog than uh, I'd want a film called Cannibal Girls to be. Yeah, yeah. I think actually my biggest problem is it's really not about the cannibal girls. You know what I mean? Like they are they are subservient characters to this story and I that kind of pisses me off. Like give them characterization. Don't make them just these mindless sort of auton uh, what would the word be like automatons like they're yeah. just they're just sort of being led around by the reverend and that that actually annoyed the shit out of me that there's a puppet master that's a dude fuck that it should be three fucking cannibal girls that are like super smart and super manipulative and like have personalities well yeah you have that you could have that fun moment where we see they're actually the one you know who's been there longer than the reverend and he's their puppet but no you're right like that's that is a huge thing like yeah i'm saying we did get cannibal girls in essence but you know why this wasn't higher for me than a okay stream it i wanted more cannibal girls Definitely. I want three cannibal girls. I want a coven, right? Like, I want to see the three of them have an opinion. I want to see them kick the fucking ass out of, like, anybody who's a piece of shit. I want them to, like, you know, to kill dudes who are just sex-crazed douches. Right. Well, you had that setup of the... That that seems so fun. You had that setup of the story that was more than a setup, whatever that aside flashback story was. (laughs) Right. Like, that was leading up to, yeah, a movie that we just never got as far as feeling like, oh, we're going to get more of the cannibal girls doing their thing. They were going to be fleshed out more. (laughs) Well, and then what I want is once you establish that the three of them have like individual personalities, I want to see conflict within the three of them. Mm -hmm. Have them fucking fight over how to do it Mm -hmm. or whether or not one of them actually likes one of the guys or like is being, you know, uh, she's having her own, like their typical manipulation tactics are actually working backwards on her. Like some, some outsider comes in and he's even more insidious than they are and they have to fucking struggle with that. Like, I, yeah, conflict. Um, it seems not just, the... oh, you know, don't get eaten by the cannibals, like like more internal conflict. But I, I get I'm not defending it. I'm just saying um, you can see the decision that was made where I totally. felt like it, in, in order for them to keep them to try to, like, actually be scary. It felt like, oh, no, we have to keep them at a distance of their keep them more as monsters. But they're just like. Sure, if, but it, even it's, Frankenstein it's about... has a point of view. Right, well, I mean, the mon- Frankenstein's monster has a point of view. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a good comparison <laughs> as far as like... <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I know, as far as monsters, but... Um, yeah, no, 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 yeah, they're different, like, as far as our... <laughs> I guess that's the difference I'm talking about. Like, one, you have um, 
where where we'll be with the the kill the monsters and uh, see the empathy with them. But then there's the other where it's just like, no, rather than just having. I see. Yeah, you yeah. want the pure the pure, like danger of them. But, but yeah, I think you can le- have a little bit of both. Right, like Leatherface. Like, I want to see a little bit more of the like we we get we like Leatherface, we see him being abused by, you know, his exa- paw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to put in that they have this puppet master guy, have them like have a scene where they're like, I'm kind of tired of being fucking told what to do by this dickhead. Yeah. Like, do you want to be controlled this whole time? And then, like, Sally's like, shut the fuck up, Mary. They just kind of took care of that when it was, when he said, I did think it was funny when he's like, they were just all going along with, oh, we, we got to feed and drink our blood in order to live this way forever. And they're just like, yeah. Yeah. Ma- like, I want one of them to be like, I'm tired. But I would kind of go, why? I mean, I guess it's a different movie, but you go, why now? It is. After I'm just saying what I years? like, I'd be more compelled by that because that's just a taste thing. I'm not saying this movie should have done that. I'm saying what I like, you know, with this kind of construct, I like, I just want more. I want some more meat on the bone, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> right. Your taste, meat on the bone, all that good stuff. How about we move on? <laughs> Things of note. Sure. All right. Things of note. Things of note! (laughs) This should be interesting. Some of fun credits in addition to And Bunker as himself. We had the, the way the opening title card scary pictures presents that's their that's right the main company or whatever (laughs) very nice and then um and then yeah we already talked about how it was improvised or whatever but it was kind of interesting to see it uh in the official credits say it was something like dialogue developed by the cast that's right yeah something like that yeah that's cool um and we already kind of talked about is it a comedy is it not no um yeah, nothing more for that. I thought it was interesting. Oh, the official budget number. I watched, um, I was like looking for interviews with Ivan Reitman about this film. And I found like one video interview with Studio Q on CBC. <laughs> and um, it was just, he mentioned the, the budget number. It was made for $12,000. Okay. And he just had the idea of doing an improvisa- improvisational feature film, and they were just looking to, you know, exploit the exploitation uh, films, the sort of being right. able to get on the map and have something by just making one, making a horror film. I have a question. This is a thing of note because I just don't know what to think about it. Why, why does Gloria... <laughs> why does she use a mace to kill Cliff? Like, what an odd weapon to pick up. <laughs> and why was there a mace there? I like to think like that... Like a medieval mace. Like, because what? I like to think that that's how old maybe the Reverend is or something like that. You Like, they're, sure. they're vampires. I was there. wondering if they were try to ma- trying to make some sort of joke about, like, the ball and chain. Like, I think you're thinking... Maybe <laughs> I'm th- yeah, I'm thinking too hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just seems so odd. I mean, um, I like it. But I yeah. just was like, I don't know what to think of this. No, yeah, I, I I didn't think about that, but I I like to think that they've been around for a long time. <laughs> yeah, you know, collected these weapons. Um, 
So yeah, there were extensive reshoots on the film. Learn that. Um, this isn't. This isn't so much. This is what happened right after. Uh, right after this film, it was kind of the. I was the in between between um, Cannibal Girls and Animal House as far as Reitman's career. I thought was kind <laughs> of interesting. He went to school with the magician Doug Henning, who's great, and sure. you should know him as a '70s icon. If you don't look up Doug yeah. Henning. Um, but something from that gave him the idea or whatever to do uh, a show, like a, a theater show, a musical called Spellbound. Um, and that went on to be his calling card that he then called up um, National Lampoons to kind of develop a first something with them. That was like something else. But uh, Spellbound ended up doing well. It was just fun to note these these crossover collaborations because we had mentioned the Cronenberg connection. He said in his own words, I didn't get exactly what he meant, but he said uh, Cronenberg wrote the book Spellbound. I don't know if that's a theater term or maybe that's Cronenberg wrote the script or something like that. He said Howard Shore, you know, who's Cronenberg's frequent composer. Uh, Was Spellbound a um, musical? Yeah. So the book, if I know this right, which I'm, musicals is not my realm, but I believe that terminology means the book is the text of like the story great and the you know the the other side of that would be the actual music well that's a big thing of note for me so yeah i howard, think that's right but howard, i'd have to ask my friend who's like in that world howard shore who did the music for lord of the rings and many other things you know got his start doing um yeah working with cronenberg so he that's was cool. on this and then paul schaefer uh who is <laughs> the musical director Who's like was the the dude on Jay Leno, right? Yeah, as that musical director. No, he was uh, David Letterman. David, sorry, David Letterman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then that, and then uh, Spellbound ended up on Broadway. So yeah, it was fun learning uh, how Cannibal Girls <laughs> they went from that to what made them more famous. <laughs> That's cool. Oh man, what else do you have? No, nothing. I don't know. Canada. <laughs> Um, so because we didn't, uh, we don't play the full trailer, you know, when we, when we play the trailer, mm-hmm. usually we, uh, I'm sure I cut out the part for our listeners that I did think was interesting, which is, um, a promotional device that was used <laughs> yeah. on this film. And I'll just, I'll just read it from, uh, this was from, uh, this is the, I said, there's a great website I discovered through this. It's called, uh, Canucks exploitation.com <laughs> so like all about Canadian exploitation films which just makes you go oh whoa that's a, a subgenre I want to know more about that so you can go to exploitation.com to learn about that but so directly from there the article talking about this movie this lack of solid spectacle turned out to be they were talking about like how you know, surprisingly little gore maybe, or how much for you'd want in this movie. This lack of solid spectacle turned out to be a major problem for the picture when it was picked up for distribution by American International Pictures, home of Schlock King Roger Corman. Unsure of what to do with the bewildering and bizarre picture, a special warning buzzer gimmick was added, which was heavily advertised in the film's advertising campaign. In fact, the trick was borrowed from 1966's Chamber of Horrors. The gimmick worked like this. Before a scene of potentially squeamish fun, a buzzer would go off and easily upset members of the audience would know to close their eyes until a doorbell sound indicated the surely indescribable horror was over. (laughs) That is so stupid. Uh, uh. But 
I don't know. I mean, you get it though at this time, like it's okay. Remember last week we were talking about like how are people actually scared of sure. uh the conjuring movies when we're like we're just not into it, we're ridiculous. What I was yelling at myself when editing the episode is like, oh, the, the easy way to put it is we're just like film snobs that takes a lot to buy into a, a movie, you know? Um, and watch, watch me over here shrug nonchalantly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you got to think, when, no, the fact that like you, this cannibal girls, you have people getting eaten, like you're approaching it like it's actually scary. Like these movies worked as exploitation. Like, yeah, you do have, I'm sure the dudes that were sitting there just getting a ball out of it. Sorry, I'm sure um, whoever is that kind of a fan. But then um, you have people go in there who are like legitimately terrified of and buying into the reality of cannibal girls right, as right. like a legit film. So like, and, and then you think of that too with like the what it evolved from of the buzzer under the the tingler, you know, like the Vincent Price movies, like yeah, that yeah. these filmmakers grew up yeah. with. Like, That's cool. you know, it's actually <laughs> got to remember. Uh, you know, yeah, as we did say, this is a very subjective show, but just kind of give it that context of um, totally. People are scared of movies just because they, you know, yeah, yeah, and, aren't, and aren't looking maybe that's at the, just why they're going. Yeah, yeah. To be scared. Yeah. That's cool. Anyway. All right. All right. Shall we move on from Cannibal Girls? I think we should. All right. Closing the book on Cannibal Girls, and we'll get to if we have anything else we've been consuming hey. to, to recommend dead to you, our listeners. For once, I have like four, so I have to figure out which one I'm going to actually recommend dead. Well, I'll start with mine, Tim, and let you decide. I watched The Hunger and want to recommend Dead That. With, Have I seen that? With David Bowie. It's known as like the David Bowie ban- vampire movie. Oh, I have not seen it. Well, I know of it, though. It's cool. It's, it's, it's a little, if you get it pitched to you that way, it's a little like he's not in it very much at a certain point. Oh, really? Um, he kind of leaves the movie <laughs> pretty early on, but... Luckily, it's still great. It's all great. Super, like, the, the stylistic stuff that's going on in it. I loved it. Um, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, it felt kind of on par with, uh, not on par, felt similar to this movie story-wise as far as the lasting forever vampiric aspect uh, consuming others in order to do so. So check it out, The Hunger. Cool. I don't know. So I'm going to just, I mean, I have a list now, so I'll just go through the list next, you know, as we go on. So this week I'll say I watched, rewatched, maybe for the thousandth time because it was a movie that was on like TBS every weekend of my childhood. Beastmaster. I've been wanting to see that again. Like I've been wanting to watch all, remember I told you I watched Conan? Yes. Um, I would just want to watch more sword and sandal movies. Yeah. Adventures. It, Here's why I'm recommending it. It actually has some pretty good horror moments in it. Like for for a sand and sandals, you know, sort of sword and sandals, sand whatever the term is. <laughs> sand and sandals. Sand and sandals. That's what it feels like. It's sand in your sandals. Um for that type of movie, there's some pretty cool scares. There's like this race of beings that like consume Okay, People, is, is this the one I remember watching as a kid, one of these movies a lot, where it's like they hold out these like blanket things 
They have wings and they wrap you up in them. Okay, that's Beastmaster. That's okay, Beastmaster, I, dude. Try- that scene. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Yeah, having you know, watching it now and and being able to kind of look at it from a not a kid's point of view. There's some schlocky ass costuming in it. Like some of their masks just look like shit. But if just forget about that and imagine you're 12 watching this, it's really good. And it's that's just what I'm saying. Cool. Uh, imagine if you can imagine you're 12 watching something, which is then you might actually get to be scared of cannibal yeah. girls and the conjuring. Yeah, there's know? some I mean, there's some hilarious stuff in it. I mean, I think the lead guy is Mark Singer. It's <laughs> just watch it he spent the, nobody has ever spent more time in just underwear in a movie <laughs> was it um did you find it streaming free anywhere how do you watch it yeah uh i think i was watching it on amazon prime cool great yeah i'm gonna watch it it's now. fun it's ridiculous but it also has um our friend from uh tourist trap in it um tanya roberts Oh, great. The the woman who we were like, wow, she's very beautiful. (laughs) She's the lead in it. Lead, lead woman. Have me sold. I'll revisit it after not having watched it for 23 years. Beware. There is an incredibly rapey scene in it that just makes you go like when Beastmaster, whose name is like, I don't know. It's something dumb. It's like Dorf or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's not exactly right, but it's close. Like when he meets her, he like they definitely like pounce on each other and like have a little weird like roll through the hay kind of moment. And it's a little like he's like just very rigid and like pressing his hips against her very aggressively. So well, heads up, everyone. Exactly. But Tim, Other I than w- that, it's I want to know. I want to know. It Tim. also has one of our fan favorites, Rip Torn, as the bad guy. Awesome. Get I'm into a- it. I'm already sold. Uh, <laughs> what I want to know now, Tim, though, is what next week's episode is going to be about. Oh. It's my turn, yeah? Yes. Woohoo! Here we go. 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 It is this one. <gasps> the Girl Next Door. What year? 07. Isn't that, right. just, isn't that just the movie with... Alicia Cuthbert? <laughs> That's why I said what year? Because there's a, a horror movie that's called The Girl Next Door. Yeah, but I want to watch the Alicia Cuthbert one. I saw I that in theaters. I saw that crush on her. I saw that in theaters when it came out just because also, of the poster, I remember, yeah. <laughs> she and I have the same birthday. Cool. Harrison and Ford and I have the same birthday. Wow, Mandy Patinkin and I have the same birthday. (laughs) All right, great. So next week, uh, we'll be here talking about from 2007 without Alicia Cuthbert, sorry, (laughs) The Girl Next Door. Cool. And until then, our big ask is if you enjoyed this, why not tell a friend? Word of mouth is what most helps us out. Do it. Do Do it. it. Do it. All right, great. And you can find us at dismemberinghorror.com if you haven't already. We got our things and things linked there. Yep. Anyway, I think that's all we got, Tim, unless you got anything else. That's it. Great. I got Thank 6% you. on my computer. That's what I got. Oh, 5%. <laughs> all right, everyone. Then thanks for being here in closing. Yeah, like I just said, thank you so much for listening. Yep, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>